The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into those nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and he stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered him and said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. I mentioned last week that it always seemed strange, didn't it? That our Lord, in all of the resurrection narratives, never appears to his mother. She's there at the foot of the cross. She's there on Pentecost. And undoubtedly he appeared to her. 
but it isn't recorded. And yet it makes sense in a way, doesn't it? The only people to whom our Lord appears are repentant sinners, doubters, and cowards. The rest of us, but not his mother. Today we deal with one of them, the doubter. He's gone down in history with that name, Doubting Thomas. Thomas, as we know, was the most cynical of the apostles, it would seem. He believed, perhaps reluctantly, and now everything in which he believed has been destroyed because he has been destroyed. So Thomas will not remain to be supported by the others, nor will he support them. He will leave the apostles, leave the church, and go off by himself to mourn, to grieve, and to be bitter. He's the patron saint of people who leave the church, the patron saint of people who wander from the Eucharist in particular. And so, as a result, when the Lord comes, he isn't there. Same thing here. When the Lord comes, people aren't there. He's also the patron saint of the modern skeptical world. The apostles tell him, we have seen the Lord. Notice his response. His response is the response of modern humanity. Unless he can see, touch, observe, analyze, he won't believe. And so our Lord appears. And our Lord immediately directs himself to Thomas. Our Lord never ignores his apostles, whether it be Peter in particular, but now Thomas. He directs himself to him. And he says to him what he would say to those who have left the church relative to the Eucharist. He says, put your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Here I am. You can see me. You can touch me. In fact, if, if you're prepared... In a state of grace, you can even receive me. But believe. In the response of Thomas, if Thomas was a doubter, when he saw the evidence, he accepted it. My Lord and my God. A beautiful prayer to say at the words of consecration and before receiving communion. A recognition of who it is that is here. To recognize the Lord for who he is. That takes faith. That faith is a gift that is offered to us all if we're willing to accept it. But notice again, our Lord appears to those types of people. And he says to them effectively, as I mentioned last week, quoting Pope Benedict, wants them to come out of the dungeon, to come out of the darkness, to take his hand and to walk with him if they wish to. That's the condition, if you want to. I cannot force you. I can only show myself to you and give you the strength to do it. And so we have our world, don't we? Our world that doesn't want to accept, and yet our Lord appears over and over and over again to it and to us. You know, I suppose our world has a problem with doubt, has a problem with faith. 
Perhaps we do too when we think about it sometimes. Pope Benedict had a beautiful reflection on that. Um, and on this gospel in particular. And he said, Why indeed did you not forcefully resist your enemies who brought you to the cross? We might well ask. Why did you not show yourself with incontrovertible power to be the living one, the Lord of life and death? Why did you reveal yourself only to a small flock of disciples on whose testimony we must now rely? The question applies not only to the resurrection, but to the whole manner of God's revelation in the world. Why only to Abraham and not to the mighty of the world? Why only to Israel and not irrefutably to all the peoples of the earth? It is part of the mystery of God that he acts so gently, that he only gradually builds up his history within the great history of mankind, that he becomes man and so can be overlooked by his contemporaries and by the decisive forces within history, that he suffers and dies and that having risen again, He chooses to come to mankind only through the faith of the disciples to whom he reveals himself. That he continues to knock gently at the doors of our hearts and slowly opens our eyes if we open our doors to him. And yet, is this not the divine way? Not to overwhelm with external power, but to give freedom, to offer and elicit love. And yet if we really think about it, is it not what seems so small that is truly great? Does not a ray of light issue from Jesus, growing brighter across the centuries, that could not come from any mere man? and through which God's light truly shines into the world. Could the apostolic preaching have found faith and built up a worldwide community unless the light of truth had been at work within it? If we attend to the witnesses with listening hearts and open ourselves to the signs by which our Lord again and again authenticates both them and himself, then we know that he is truly risen. He is alive. Let us trust ourselves to him, knowing that we are on the right path. And then the Holy Father concluded by saying, with Thomas, let us place our hands into Jesus' pierced side and confess, my Lord and my God. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you 
rejoicing in the resurrection of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always be a beacon of faith to doubting humanity, especially the Church persecuted, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, particularly our own nation, for all scientists, that they may overcome their doubts in the light of faith and reason, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, that they may know that they are united to the risen Christ in his victory. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have wandered from the faith and from the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who, having the strength of faith, will be able to proclaim that kingdom. For a greater reverence for the missionary nature of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having been strengthened through faith, they may then be witnesses to the faith they have received and to the victory of Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, The souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect through faith what we have received, we pray to the Lord. And now, once again during the Easter season, instead of singing the antiphon of the Blessed Mother, we will sing Christus Vincit. Christ. <laughs> 